May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So I'm wondering how you're all doing. Uh, you're actually on a screen off to my side, uh, which is why I keep looking over there just to glance at you all. Uh, I wonder how you're doing. What has surprised you about the last week or so? What have you struggled with? What have been the moments of grace? That is quite a list that I've just read out from our reading this morning. Uh, and I was doing pretty good for a while as we went through it. Uh, although I did wonder how far back that list, like you were supposed to go as you read that list. But when we got to greed, I started to get a little bit nervous. And, well, then we carry on and we get things like uh, envy. I'm pretty sure I've been envious in my life. Pretty sure I've insulted people. I'm sure I've been arrogant and foolishness. And I'm done and dusted at that point. Quite the list, really. So if we ever think that we are better than anyone else, Jesus kind of just hauls us back. And he always starts, and Paul does the same, really, with things that go, yeah, yeah, I don't do those. I'm much better than everyone else. And by the time he's finished, if we're honest, we are amongst those he is naming. One of the things that I've been struggling with for over the last, well, forever, really, but over the last few weeks has been kind to people. Uh, COVID seems to bring the worst out of me. I get really grumpy with those who oppose lockdowns, anti-vaxxers. Uh, I was in an intense conversation with some people in Australia last week who were celebrating the large number of people who went out and protested in Australia uh, who do not want to live in fear and cannot see that their way of life should be impinged in any way at all. If I'm honest, I really don't want to be kind to them at all. I just get really frustrated and I want to yell at them, none of which is very helpful to anyone, to them or to me. And then Jacinda's words ring in my ears, not the words of Jesus, but Jacinda's words, be kind, be kind. Ugh, it's so hard. But being kind is, well, it's very similar to what James is inviting us to in his letter that we heard this morning. James the Just. It's the only piece of uh, writing that we have from James the Just, brother of our Lord. Uh, and I'll let you work out for yourself how you understand the word brother, uh, who was the big cheese. He was the leader of the mother church based in Jerusalem. So we keep talking about Peter being the head of the church but really, in the early church, it was James, James the Just. And this is a letter, or tradition says, a letter from that leader. And he was a man who history tells us was renowned both for his devout faith. He was a very devout Jew for the entirety of his life. Uh, and the early church was based at the temple and engaged in temple worship. And so some of the things that were being talked about today, they would have done but they were also renowned for their work amongst the poorest and vulnerable in Jerusalem. That's where James the Just comes from, including the sick and the widows and the orphans. For James, as we will hear over the next few weeks as we read through his letter, true holiness was not the absence of bad things, which is lucky for me, but also much more importantly, true holiness was the presence of compassion, kindness. 
compassion, being kind. Well, that's not always an easy thing. It can be hard work. So while it is good to remember, as I said last week, that God is with us in these times, it is also good to remember that true holiness is the presence of compassion. And, well, for some of us at least, it's a bit of a struggle to be compassionate, to be kind. Which brings me to Mark's reading. So we're back into Mark. We had five weeks with John. Uh, John was convoluted, circular, kind of kept coming back to the same things, going deeper with the same themes. But in Mark, we're fast-paced and we're direct and we're keeping it short and simple. At this point of the story, uh, we have some leading Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem, and they turn up in Galilee to check out what's happening. And they're none too happy about some of the disciples not washing before eating. In their view, they were breaking some pretty important rules about being ritually clean. Now, just as an aside, this is not about hygiene or about washing our hands, which we all know is really important and we need to do all the time. Jesus is not commenting about that. And also as an aside, these rituals played a really important role. They helped Jews hang on to their identity in the face of a procession of empires that sought to erase their identity, that sought to assimilate them and make them like everyone else. And so these rituals helped them for two and a half thousand years retain their Jewishness to stay being Jews in the face of that force to assimilate. So they played a really important role in the life of the community. But these rules that Jesus was talking about were established by the pious well-to-do, the well-to-do Pharisees and scribes, the the Judean elite, who had the time and the water resources to wash up to the elbows before they ate and at many other times. Now, these rituals are not found in the Torah, but they were they became the accepted practice uh, among leading Jews or some leading Jews as the way in which the requirements of the Torah were to be observed. So they helped them, they thought, live out and still think, live out the Torah. Uh, It helped them establish their identity and hold on to that identity, and it established their righteousness. And it's this bit that gets a bit tricky because It allowed those people to separate themselves off from the vast majority who lived in Judea, but particularly in Galilee, which was much poorer than Judea. And so these Judean elite were coming to Galilee and saying, well, look at all these people not being very righteous. We are much more righteous than you. You should aspire to be like me, kind of like we are cool with God and you are not. Uh, which is, you know, we can look, well, that's terrible. You shouldn't do that. But actually, we as Christians still do that today if we are willing to be honest. Honestly, I think the lack of honesty was part of that list that Jesus talked about. So on the face of that, Jesus seems some pretty radical things, or at least in Mark, Jesus says some pretty radical things. Uh, Matthew, and one of those radical things was all the food laws can be ditched. So 
we actually jumped around a bit on that passage from Mark and the, the lectionary writers kind of dropped out one of those bits. But we need to note that at least in Matthew, Matthew does not tell the story exactly the same, and Jesus is a lot less radical in Matthew, and Luke just leaves the story out altogether. So Luke does not include it. So in Mark, Jesus says some pretty radical things. This is the Mark and Jesus. So who is the community out of which this gospel comes from? Well, it was either, and for a long time I thought it was just a non-Jewish community, and they just ditched the law. They said there's a Jewish thing where Gentiles, we're not going to do it, and so Mark was giving some credibility to that view. But there are a number of commentators today who think it's much more likely that it was a conflicted community of Jews and Gentiles, and they were trying to find a way of all living together with a single identity. But these washing rituals and the food laws were proving to be quite the problem. If you've got one group of your community saying, we're going to stick to these rituals and laws, and another group saying, well, we don't think they apply to us, and that first group saying, well, then you're not as good as us, that does not make for harmonious community life. And so they were trying to work their way through these issues and find a way that they could, with all integrity, find a new way of being together as one community following the way of Jesus. And so Mark is highlighting that for Jesus, and we need to note that Jesus is, was not the only person talking about reading the law in this way, is still not the only person talking about reading the law in this way. But for Jesus and others, the law was to be read in terms of how it helped the people of God be the gift they are called to be for all people. And so when the laws help keep them focused on those things, then the laws are good. But when the laws get in the way of that and actually kind of start setting up divisions and saying, well, I'm better than you, then that becomes problematic. So for Jesus, the law helped keep the people of God focused on the things that make for humanity's well-being. Or as Jesus describes it in all the Gospels, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind by and loving your neighbor as yourself. Or as one of the commentators I read suggested, that we might live in such a way that we bring healing and health in our communities. And I like that phrase because actually that's what our communities need at the moment, isn't it? Healing and health. So we are to read Torah, read the scriptures in a way that helps us bring healing and health in our communities. And Jesus uses this approach to offer an alternative focus of attention. Instead of being concerned about behavior, which if we're going to use that list as a good thing, instead of being concerned about living in a way that keeps the precepts of the law, Jesus says that we should pay attention to what is going on in our hearts. Pay attention to our our motivations and desires, our longings and hopes. First and foremost, it is who we are that counts the most. Who we are, what is going on inside of us. And our actions come from that, from what is going on in our hearts. So when I want to be not kind, instead of just being not kind, 
I need to stop and look into my own heart and see what's going on inside of me that leads me to be not kind. Before I speak, before I act, I need to say, let's pause. Let's look at what's going on inside me. Let's change that. And then maybe I can address this in a different way, which is easier said than done. One of the ways that people have found uh, helpful to do this is um, uh, is the daily examine. So I'm just resharing the screen, I hope. Uh, and the daily examine uh, is a way of kind of at the end of each day, um, asking a couple of questions and uh, just kind of reflecting on where have I been drawn to God and where have I been drawn away from God? It doesn't need to be a big thing, but it is a helpful way of learning to see who we truly are as people invited into God's love, people who at times, and as people who at times reject that invitation, as people, as we learn to see, and as we learn to see God at work in us and in the world. So, um, during this time of level four and level three, I invite you at least, you might like to carry on afterwards, to spend some time at the end of each day asking, what am I most thankful for today? And how have I experienced God in this day? And what am I least thankful for? How have I been led astray? And you might want to record some of your reflections and, well, you might want to pray about what you see in yourself, and you might want to end each day with some prayer about that. And I would suggest uh, using some of the night prayer. Um, there's the Lord, it is night prayer, which is my favorite prayer. Uh, uh, but there's also the Lord's prayer that we prayed last week, and we're going to pray again this week as a way of kind of bringing together that this is what's going on in my heart today. And I thank you, God, for the ways that I have been with you. And I hope tomorrow that I might grow to be more the person you would desire me to be. So I want to finish with this prayer, which comes from uh, St. Clara of Assisi. Eternal God, source of all mercies and consolation, may we live to praise you. May the homage we pay you be reasonable. Season our sacrifices with the wisdom with the salt of wisdom, that our entire being may be transformed into your image through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Mm -hmm.